This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day, and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 67, recorded on the 26th of March, 2014. Today's topic, promoting and programs for your family camp. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you can show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com slash camphacker. And by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at campownersanddirectors.com. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I run a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility located in the Catskill Mountains, and I just celebrated my 17th summer working at summer camp. And my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Uh, camp Waro is an all-girls camp with a bilingual program uh, situated in the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec, Canada. Hello, my name is Megan Slalis, and I'm the director of the Pepperdine Family Camp, which is a new program that Pepperdine University launched on their Malibu campus this past summer. And I am Tom Horner, the owner-director of Catalina Island Camps, located on Catalina Island. 25 miles off the coast of Southern California. Uh, we are a summer camp and outdoor education program, and we also host the Jean-Michel Cousteau Family Camp in August each year. And uh, Megan and Tom, it's awesome to have you both join us this week. We're excited to be talking about family camp. Uh, and I'm going to come back around and ask Tom a bit of, some questions about Catalina Island and his camp career. But before I do, I just want to let you know, as people that are watching this program on YouTube or listening to it while you jog or drive your car, um, that we do really appreciate people leaving us reviews on iTunes. If you go to camphacker.tv slash iTunes, it'll take you directly to the spot where you can connect with us, leave a, a rating, a star rating, or a review. And uh, it's incredibly helpful for us. We, for technical reasons that we've talked about on the show before, lost all the reviews that we had before. And so we're slowly building that up this year and would appreciate any help you can give us. That, again, is at uh, camphacker.tv slash iTunes. And uh, Joe Richards isn't able to join us today, but he was kind enough to remind me to start promoting the Think Camp program. Think Camp is a small unconference that runs at Joe's Camp in at Pierce Williams in Ontario, Canada, and it is only open to 50 people. And I am telling you right now, it is going to fill. So if you're at all interested and can make it to Pierce Williams on November 11 to 13, uh, please join us. It's a very participatory conference. It's sort of the best of what happens at a big camp conference. It's all of the the hallway conversations, but with a little bit 
all those conversations are wrapped into the real program of, of the show. So I encourage you to check out thinkcamp.ca and registration for that will start on April 1st, 2014. So Tom, I'm so glad that you're able to join us. Uh, you and I have talked about your family camp program before, but it's, it's great that you're willing to sit down and share with the greater camp community what, what goes on at Catalina Island. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Travis. Uh, you just want to know a little bit about uh, kind of how I got to where I am then? Yeah, I want to start with you. I want to talk about Catalina specifically, but I do want to know how you yourself got involved in summer camp. Well, when, when my family moved to uh, Southern California in 1967, my parents knew one family and they said, send your kids to Tom Sawyer Camps, which was a day camp. Nine years later, uh, through a, a whole lot of circumstances, it would take too long to explain, my family purchased, my dad purchased the camp. Uh, the next summer, my mom uh, was secretary because we were all at camp, and then she, at the end of the summer, said, I'm going to be executive director. She took over, uh, and then I started working at camp as I graduated from high school, all through college, started full-time uh, in the early 80s when I, I finished college, uh, and then in the 90s, through all of our associations with uh, ACA, we met the owner of Catalina Island Camps. We got involved there. Uh, and ended up, ended up buying Catalina Island Camps in 1994. Uh, I married uh, my wife, Maria, who was a director at Camp Joe Sherman, a Girl Scout camp in uh, Orange County. Yep. And uh, the two of us off, we went to Catalina. This will be our 21st summer on uh, Catalina Island this year. It's awesome. So that's all I've ever done. I don't know what a summer vacation is. <laughs> yes. And oddly enough, you were smart enough to marry a camp director who could actually spend the summers with you. Unlike so many camp directors I know who are married to teachers and whose vacations yes. never cross. <laughs> as funny. But that's the joke. We'll be together forever because we'll never see each other. <laughs> Dan and Gab both. It's funny that uh, my, my, uh, my wife likes to joke that I was sent out on a, a reconnaissance mission to find a resident camp director to marry because we were all day camp people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> What's well, good? She could she could round out the uh, the Horner picture when it comes to res camp directing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, right on. Well, I'm so glad to have you here, and Megan, it's great to have you back too. Thank you. Really, really grateful. This topic actually came about because Megan wrote in and suggested it to me, and I uh, recruited her to be on this show and the one that we did previously on Family Camp. So, if you have ideas that you want us to talk about, um, here's the evidence that it works. If you let us know, we'll we'll talk about it, and we'll try to get you involved as well. Um, Previously, I, I encourage you to go to camphacker.tv slash podcast and find our previous family camp episode. We talked about why a camp would want to be, want to offer a, a, a um, traditional residence camp would want to offer a family camp and what the benefits for that would be. And so I encourage you to check that out. But <clears throat> And pardon me. What we wanted to focus on today were, were two things. Um, one was the programming and two was the, the publicity for your family camp. Neither of those I felt like we covered well enough in our previous show. So what I want to know is um, in terms of family camp programming, first of all, how is family camp? I know, Megan, that, that your whole business is family camp, and um, but I, I, I understand that you have a feeling for what residence camp for kids would, is like. And I just wonder for you, when you were creating this program at Pepperdine, what you wanted to do to make it stand out, different, exceptional, et cetera. 
Yeah, so um, the way I think about family camp programming, I think of it in three different um, genres. So you have the adult programming, the kids programming, and the family programming. I really specialize in the family programming and the adult programming. I typically hire someone to take care of the kids programming just because I think that the adult programming and the family programming are really what highlight the experience uh, for the families. So um, when I started to think about how can I make this uniquely Pepperdine, um, I thought of ways to get the faculty faculty involved in some of our activities. Maybe they guided a hike, they did a faculty lecture. Um, I made use of our location. So we're in Malibu. So the beach, that was a big thing. Surf lessons, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding. I really just made a use of where we're at, the location, and what my resources are. And then um, talked with the campus and um, made sure that they our families had access to different parts of campus, had exclusive access to certain things that they wouldn't have access to typically. So I just tried to make it as unique as possible to our location and to our university. That sounds awesome. What sort of stuff do you do for exclusive access for those families when they're there? Well, um, if you're just a visitor on campus, you you don't get access to our gym or to our library or to certain things. So that's kind of the exclusive access or just the fact that families can actually stay on campus for five days during the summertime. They can't typically do that. We do have some external camps that come in, like cheerleading camps, but an actual family coming and vacationing on campus isn't something that's been offered in the past. Right. Right. And really the location is an awesome resource of yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the university decided to go ahead with the program. Right. Dan, how much family stuff is done at all of the different Frost Valley programs? So um, every weekend we have about um, ranging from 400 to 600 guests up, and it's all um, group and family programming. So, um, And then after camp is over, we run a a one-week family camp that's been going since we've had a summer camp. Um, And uh, we run it actually just like camp. Um, and uh, the, a little bit of the, the family and conference programming from the from the weekends during the year, but really um, run it just like camp with graces and songs and everything in between. Um, so uh, family-wise, um, it makes up a, a significant portion. Um, uh, we'd say about 12,000 um, family groups come during the year, um, uh, uh, participant-wise. So it ends up being a large amount of our um our operation, yep. uh, for lack of better words, and a lot we find a lot of families uh, bounce around programs. So, for instance, they'll come on a school trip and uh, during the week, and then they'll come up for a weekend, and then they'll send their kid to summer camp. And so, we find a lot of people know us in different ways as well. Yeah. So, um, when families come on their own on a weekend, not to that one-week family camp, what sort of yeah. programming do you offer them? Yeah. So um, it's completely um, weather dependent for the most mm-hmm. part. So, um, for instance, um, this weekend um, is going to be an exception. Um, it's a women's wellness weekend. I'll talk about that in a second. But if it wasn't women's wellness weekend, um, they would do a lot of hiking. Um, we still have some snow on the ground, so we'd probably teach cross-country skiing a little bit, but not let them take the skis out. Um, it's still cold enough to ice skate, so they could go ice skating at their own accord. We'll do some snowshoeing. Um, and then we have indoor rock climbing wall. Um, we have um, a, a lot of arts and crafts activities. Um, we really try uh, to figure out a way for them to learn a skill while they're here. Uh, and that's really the biggest challenge, as uh, we were talking about earlier, is that 
um, the programming needs to meet everyone's needs. So you need to have stuff that's appropriate for a four to five year old, a six year old, and then have something that's appropriate for an adult that just came with the, a few other adults and wants to learn a higher level skill. So it ends up being a wide variety of programming. We typically offer about um, six programs at a time period and we'll offer uh, a time periods roughly an hour and a half. And then we'll have four time periods during the day. So two in the morning and two in the afternoon. And then after dinner, we'll have an evening program where we'll offer um, typically uh, two indoor and one outdoor activity. So, for instance, uh, tubing and then a bingo night and a karaoke or um, trivia and um, uh, a campfire, um, that sort of thing. Right. Well, and I want to come back around to your, your week-long family camp. Um, I think that yeah. fits more to what people would imagine as a family camp for a traditional camp. I'm using the word traditional, even though I, I talked a lot about it when we were at Tri-State last week that I, I don't like the word traditional for camp, but I'm working on a, a different way of wording it. Um, Gap, what's your experience with family camp programming? Um, basically, we uh, at War, we did a family camp for approximately, uh, it was four seasons, we did family camp. And we made the shift from family camp to uh, having... Um, women's wellness programs like Dan mentioned and that's just because it, it fit a little bit more our philosophy we are we're an all-girls uh, summer camp and and uh, it seemed to us that that this this shift made a lot of sense but a lot of what we did with um, the women's weekend was based on our experience with uh, with our family camp so um, so and so that's what we do now is is our women's weekends, which which we really really enjoy and, and uh, it adds a very strong value to uh, also having returning clients for not only for women's weekends but for our summer program and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do that was to build a strong tie with our our families um, as well as our alumni and give them give them a place to come uh, when when they're you know quote quote unquote couldn't come back to camp anymore. Right. And how often do you run women's weekends? Uh, we only have three weekends a year. Um, it's mostly in the fall, and our season's fairly short with being able to, to house people just because of weather. Um, so usually it's during the uh, it's in the fall when you know the leaves are changing, and the program is very uh, is designed with uh, you know the food quality is is exceptional. Our summer food is amazing, but the the food quality for women's weekend is absolutely exceptional and uh, and we have a lot of um, um, different professionals on camp um, so you know photographers and you know a raw food specialist and you know a, a doctor that does uh, seminars on women's health and so these people come for free um, and they give a, a one and a half hour or two hour seminar and so they're part of of the community while they're there. So they're eating with everybody and chit chatting and it adds a really nice richness. And it also keeps our, our prices a little bit lower, mm -hmm. um, which is what we're, tr what we try to do. We want, we want, you know, everybody to be able to afford to come to, to the weekend. So but we want to give them something that's, that's high, high quality. And as, as everybody was saying, program that makes sense for adults as well, um, that they get something out of it. Right. Right. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to touch with each of you sort of what's going on at your camps and then we'll come back for a bit more depth. So I want to, I want to move to Tom and say you have this amazing partnership with the Cousteau family. Yes. So Jean-Michel Cousteau is our uh, host of family camp. We run camp, but he comes 
and he brings uh, some of his staff, scientists and uh, divers along with him. And so the program is focused a little bit on, uh, a lot on uh, kind of his issues and what he's, you know, working on promoting, whether he's making films or uh, has environmental issues that he's focused on around the world, almost always related to the ocean. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was uh, the whole uh, Free Willy Keiko thing for a while, so we had a lot of uh, focus on, uh, on that issue. And if, if you recall, he was a big part of uh, uh, trying to reintroduce that killer whale into the wild. Uh, so that you know, there's all of that. So he's always uh, doing uh, presentations. Uh, yeah, every night after dinner, he'll do a presentation in the dining hall uh, and talk about some of the things that he's going on. He wrote a book about his father uh, for his hundred, what would have been his hundredth birthday. Uh, so different presentations like that. All the films he made, uh, uh, the Northwest Hawaiian Islands, and, uh, and, and revisiting the Amazon and, and that stuff. So that's that's really very cool. And so he's there with all the people. Uh, and so most of the people are coming because he's there. Uh, some people are coming because they enjoy family camp. Yep. Uh, we set it up. It's it's family camp. And so it's set up primarily for families to be together uh, and to do things together. Uh, we've had as many as four generations come and stay in a cabin together, yep. uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, but we're running camp activities. Uh, Jean-Michel doesn't want us to run our BB guns uh, or our uh, power boats for water skiing and such. But... Other than that, we'll do all of the programs that we run during summer camp. Uh, we do it with just our leadership staff, uh, so they stay, and we don't have any, you know, staff staying in cabins with kids or anything like that. So we're running on a on a skeleton crew, and we don't run all the activities at one time. But you know, that's what we do. A lot yeah. of people choose to just sit on the beach. Uh, one of the things we do differently, though, mm -hmm. is we hire a dive boat, right. and it comes in and takes everybody snorkeling with Jean Michel. So they'll go around the the uh, corner to a, a iconic Catalina dive spot called Indian Rock, uh, which is a great, great dive spot. And they'll go snorkeling over there, you know, off the back of the dive boat and, and do that. And uh, Dick Murphy and uh, Holly Loheis, who both come with Jean-Michel, will we'll go along with them and we'll send our staff. And it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a neat program. Neat program. Five days, four nights in August. Uh, school schedules are becoming a problem, though. I don't know if anybody else is experiencing that, where schools are starting earlier and earlier, and it's, you know, we do this at the end of our summer, and, right. you know, definitely schools in Arizona and Nevada have gone back into session, and now in California, too, a lot of schools are going back mid-August uh, to get that their finals done before uh, Christmas break, right. and so it's become problematic uh, for, for those dates. Right. I think one of the things that unites what everybody has said uh, is that, um, and, I, and I want to go back and talk about how we how we can be flexible with family camp and change it and adapt it, and certainly stuff like school schedules are something we have to be thinking about all the time. Um, it, but coming back to something that each of you said, I think that we each of the camps has offered something a unique attraction to parents and to help them either, you know, personal interest stuff or education in some way that they wouldn't get anywhere else. And 
uh, I want to I want to come back on that to see what are some of the things that you have done that have been very specific to families. And I'm going to let you all think about that. And I'm going to talk about um, my own experience when we were at Glenmore and at Cairn and, and what we did that was specific to the adults. I said to families, but I mean to adults, what the adult programming was like. And so for us, we were the same as Megan. There would be three streams of programming, stuff for the kids, uh, you know, paired with stuff for the adults. And the adult programming was always optional. They could come and do zipline climbing wall, photography classes, um, knitting, book club, all those kinds of things just for the adults where we would take the kids and do stuff. There'd be stuff for everybody all together, which was all the normal camp activities as well. And then we did some evening programs as one specific night was focused on what we called the adult social. And there we were lucky enough to have a few counselors there or senior staff there that could take the kids while they went to went to bed and look after those kids. And then we'd run special programming there. And we did some awesome stuff. It's mostly turned into just a night of of sitting in good food talking conversations and getting to know each other within the family camp community but we've done some special events there we've done a star barbecue before where we brought in an astronomer and a couple of giant telescopes and and um had a big barbecue going on at the same time and i think that those adults like that break um they loved all the stuff that, that that happened with their kids there. And as we talked about on the previous show, it's a big attractor, a way, good way to get kids to understand camp and get a feel for it and know the community and, and adults to sort of try out camp with their kids and see if they would trust us as a camp to look after their kids and, and get to know us. But uh, I think the special adult programming was one of the, the big features. We've covered a lot of it, but is there any other ones that, that stood out for any of you that you think the adults have really loved that have been really special? Travis, you really uh, reminded me, um, we, we had an alumni reunion a few years ago, and uh, we ha- you know every weekend we have alumni up, but um, every five years we try to have a big reunion. Um, and uh, basically, uh, we one of the programs we, we ran was we ran a, a, a softball game, and we brought and we also had a barbecue at the same time. And what it allowed for every family to be down there to eat, to watch the game going on, um, for people that wanted to play to, to be involved, and for people that didn't, they just to hang out and to be part of the group. And I think um, that's the biggest thing I've noticed with family programming is to encourage, for lack of better words, the meandering, encourage the relaxedness and, and, and um, not running from program to program, but instead um, really taking that time to bond with their child. Uh, and um, I always, uh, I used to run family programming here, and we used to joke that the best invention to affect family programming in the past decade was a DVR. So now people could record the game at home, and they could go home and they could catch it at their convenience right. instead of Sunday morning having to rush out because the New York Giants are going to play at noon and they had to get home by that certain time. Um, and uh, just getting people to slow down and actually have that face to face interaction. Um, that is such a anytime you can do that with a family that's that's what they're truly coming up for is because they're unplugging they're at a place where they can park the car and walk around they don't have to worry about taking out their wallet um you know it's it's kind of decompressing the family as a whole yeah yeah and i think that's a very good point and i think that that simple things that camps can do to transform uh their residential um camp to something that's perhaps a little bit more family oriented and adult focused is uh invest in um you know lawn chairs 
um, invest in in a lot of seeding areas, whereas during the summertime, we don't need those as much. They're good to have, they're important to have, but to actually have a lot of those in different areas by the uh, horseshoe pit, uh, down by the waterfront, by, you know, uh, by the campfire, uh, you know, in a nice shaded area. If you just sort of set up your camp a little bit more in a lounge-like way, that makes, that transforms, uh, just, it just creates a different type of, uh, of environment that's needed for uh, for for a family camp, but absolutely creating space for relaxation is is very very important. Yeah, yeah, that I've we found that to be very true. We uh, buy and every time we have to replace them, I kind of cringe, but I know how important it is to have all of those beach chairs available. And we would never put them out during summer. Mm-hmm. Kids can sit on the beach, they can sit on the sand, they can sit on the field wherever you know on the fallen log, but. Adults, you know, they need something a little bit more comfortable. And so we actually take half of our dining picnic tables out of our dining area, which we eat outside, and we move them in between all of the cabins so that there's a table and a space there. And then we've got about 50 uh, uh, folding, you know, beach chairs as well, some tall, some low. Uh, We've got some of those, uh, you know, plastic Adirondack type chairs that you buy at Home Depot that are the Home Depot orange. Uh, You know, so we've got those around. And uh, you know, so they're really, really useful items to have uh, for for people to just to be able to sit and and they'll move them wherever. You know, they'll move yep. them wherever they want to put them, uh, and so it's it's great, and we encourage that. Uh, the other thing that we've done, uh, I think, that is uh, I mean, helpful in our setting, anyways, is we provide beach towels. Right. Uh, so we provide towels, and you know, families so families don't have to bring those with them to camp. We're not driving in our car to camp. So you drive to the boat and you get on the boat. So you're carrying your luggage a lot. Uh, we definitely unload all the luggage for people and deliver, deliver it to their cabins off of the boat. But they're moving it around. And so not carrying two beach towels per person uh, in their family group makes a big difference in the amount of stuff they have to carry. So we've invested in beach towels. And we try to encourage people to use them uh, as much as possible, as long as possible, without needing a wash. But then we've got uh, places for them to return them and they can, you know, get a clean one if they want. So hopefully they'll use them at least a day or two, uh, you know, or, or longer, uh, so that we're not using that much water on our desert uh, island. But uh, it, it, it's been a big difference maker for that. Yeah, that's so smart because you have to, you definitely, and, and I know it's part of your island life that you think about it all the time, is is getting to and from camp in, in small packages as possible. Yeah. Yeah, like we don't, we don't, we would never allow kids or anybody to bring uh, solid-sided trunks, which are probably the staple of many people's uh, camps, because they just don't go into the hull of the boat very well. Right. And so, if I don't know if you guys have seen uh, everything summer camp, they have those uh, soft-sided trunks. Yeah. He built those at my uh, at my urging, and so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he and I had a long discussion. Matt and I had a long discussion about that, and so uh, he built those so that we could sell them. He's now, you know, we sell. I don't know. I'm sure we sell a lot of them for him every summer. That's awesome. Right on. Megan, you were going to say something before? Yeah, I was just going to talk a little bit about the unique adult programming that I've seen before. Um, at my past camp, we did like a newlywed game yeah. show for the adults. And I love the structured stuff, but the stuff I've seen work really well is the stuff where it's semi structured. Um, we've done like bring your, like a wine tasting night, but they bring their own bottle of wine and um, they share it. You put it in a brown paper bag. So I like the semi structured stuff a little bit better than something like a show. Some The best adult activity that I've ever seen is like just a mixer where you have them all together chatting, there's food, there's drinks. 
Um, but I've seen casino nights, all sorts of different kind of adult programming that you can do. That's mostly the nighttime programming. Yep. But um, I just love providing that time for adults to interact with each other and have some type of structure, but not a ton of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Any other uh, adult activities or or ways? Let me change that. I think we covered that. But Tom's chair thing and and towel thing makes a lot of sense. Are there other ways that you've adapted your camp for the family camp time, or you know, created space for the families in sp- in specific ways? I have I have a few few things. Um, one is um, we work a lot more um, volunteering projects into. Um, uh into family camp so for instance going back to what Tom was talking about with seating um, we actually will have people on uh, if we know if it's alumni heavy we can build um, build Adirondack chairs that they leave at camp so all of a sudden it's their family's chair that they built and then it's it's there throughout the whole year so they're looking for it we tell them where it is um, it really kind of becomes part of it um, we're very big on takeaways as well too so making sure that uh, if they go to archery they're walking away with a paper bullseye of where they where they shot um, and really trying to minimize the, um, the extra charges and the signups. I think, um, whenever you have a family, uh, at, at camp, anything you can do to make it as easy as possible for them just to walk into the activity and to jump in the middle of it is, is key. And if you have signups or, if, uh, like you had to sign up at breakfast to go to zip lining, or if you, um, have extra charges and they didn't bring their wallet, um, making it doing everything you can to remove those roadblocks so they don't feel like they're being nickel and dimed or they don't feel like they're being held up while they're here or reminded of the outside pressures of the world. Um, and then um, uh, the, the last one was just not a, uh, not, well, not assuming that um, certain uh, ages or demographics are going to go to certain programming. I've watched a number of Boy Scouts go to um, organic natural facials class. I've watched a number of moms and daughters build rockets together. And to not assume that people stay by their gender norms or stay by their ages and that um, when you have a group of teenagers want to learn how to knit, to embrace them like you'd embrace anybody, you know, um, and to really to really go with it. Because it's one of the few times where they could put things down, put down their preconceived notions of themselves and just learn something or, or enjoy something. And explore. Travis, I'd like to add something, too. Yeah, please. Great. Great ideas. I just noted down. We do water bottle rockets in our science program, and we've never thought about doing it during uh, during family camp. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, it's one of our the family's most popular programming. Every every yeah. weekend, I'm watching like a hundred bottle rockets uh, go off. Yeah. Not bottle rockets, yeah. but a hundred rocket kids go off in front of. Yeah. Uh, I bet that's awesome. Our, uh, one of the things yeah, we do is they we love it. Cooking. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. We have a cooking club. Right. And so uh, a big part of our program is uh, in, in environmental, and we've got a big organic garden and composting program. And so we'll take product from the garden, and we'll combine it with product that we buy. And there'll be a group of uh, you know, kids and, and parents who will prepare appetizers for our, our afternoon social hour every day. And so they'll be making bruschetta, or they'll be making you know, whatever it is that they're making, and they, and they love it. Um, they'll also make some specialty pizzas when, when it's pizza night. And you know, get you know, put you know, get those all ready, and then the kitchen will cook them. So it's uh, it's a neat program, and you know, there's a handful of kids that'll participate in it, uh, and parents, and it's different than uh, uh, than you know what the rest of our camp program is, but it works out really well. Yeah. It works out really well. It's a it's a neat thing. Does anybody have 
um, challenges or have addressed the challenge of getting adults to relax or put their phones away or make that transition. I think families love the idea of family camp and sometimes they get there and and either they're intimidated by all these other people around them or it's just sort of a natural built-in retreat to get into your phone. Do you ever address that head on? No? Um, I think I, I think that uh, for us it's not so much um, people relaxing, but I think it's um, it's socializing um, uh, with other uh, with other clients um, on site, and we we do in our staff training um, for I think that's really important when you're doing a, a diff, another program than your summer camp program, you still need to do a staff training to address the special needs of that group, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we talk about is how to help. Um, our clients um, befriend each other and and what ways do you do that and what ways do you do that that's not condescending and as well as as an 18 year old how do you help a 42 year old um, connect with another you know another person and what and what does that look like and I think that that's why we have our our um, you know uh, our speakers um, on camp um, that that do these workshops are people that are very excited about what we do and they're and they really believe in what we do and we bring them in on what's our mission so we have those sort of adult adults that are already there um, to help socialize and then we also have our staff um, some of our staffs eat with um, with our, our clients and if they see somebody that is sort of sitting by themselves they invite them to join them at their table it's just very simple acts but for the most part, um, people do want to meet up with other people, or they don't know how to do that. Uh, much like summer camp, and you know, you you, you know, you, you leave if you leave camp knowing somebody and that you made a connection with them, it was a good experience, and that's what we want for uh, the women that come for women's weekends. And it was the same thing for family camp. Um, we we didn't only want that that like network of people to just stay together. Yeah. It's nice to have family time, but to you know. For people to, you know, make friends is sort of a little bit of what what camp is about. So, uh, th- we we help we help we help adults make adult friends basically. <laughs> right on. Well, I'd say we do uh, you know a lot of the same kind of thing. Uh, and one of one of the things, and I, I don't know if you guys all do this as well, is but we assign one of our staff to each family group when they arrive. And so they are their counselor. They're not living with them, but they make sure they have everything they need when they arrive. They eat the first uh, three meals with them. They're part of that group for for that. And so we ask them, and then and then they you know they don't need to do that. And they just check in with them. They're not the kids' babysitters. They're not anything like that. But they're they're just being that welcoming uh, face and, and helping out and uh, introducing everybody to everybody. And then the kids really do the rest. I mean, the kids are what bring the parents together. Uh, yeah. Is what I found is that the kids. You know, the kids naturally, oh, you're my friend, you're my friend, and then the parents meet because of that. And so I don't find getting people to interact very, we don't have cell service at camp either. So there's, you know, it's not like people are breaking their phones out. Uh, most people don't want to do it. Some people might want to have, you know, have a little bit of work to do, and so we'll let them on the office computer for a bit. But I don't know. We don't find that to be an issue. I think it's really important to do a really good orientation and welcome program, especially for new families that are mm-hmm. coming in, mm-hmm. and really just showing them right off the bat, this is what we do, this is how it is, we're high energy, you know, we want you to be involved, this is a social atmosphere, and just setting that from the very beginning when they walk in. A lot of times I'll get calls ahead of time, well, oh, 
I might go into Pasadena for the day or, or Santa Monica. And they end up usually staying with us because yep. they don't really understand how great of an experience it's going to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that, that orientation is incredibly important. And the other thing that is sometimes easier with kids than it is with adults is adjusting to the language of camp. And kids, when they're immersed in it for 24 hours, they, they've already picked up on all the lingo of camp and, and certainly the, the names of buildings and locations, but also the funny ways we talk about things at camp. And, and um, you know, sitting that out with parents and saying, you know, there are main central washrooms with showers and, and all the facilities, but there are also outhouses throughout the throughout the cabin area and we happen to call them kibos it's just an old camp name for things so if you hear people refer to kibos we're actually referring to outhouses and and that's just a, a bit of introducing them to the language of camp and also the expectations um this is you know we want this to be as relaxing as possible for you but meals happen to be one of the things that just for efficiencies we have to schedule so you know here are meal times we we encourage you to be there on time and and um, and and be part of what goes on there because there's also big theme things that happen, program things that happen during mealtime. So we've done everything we can to introduce them to the idea of the in our particular family camp. There's flex time and then there's the couple of things that have to start on time just because of managing the amount of people. So keep that going. We haven't really talked about children's programming um, or the mix of programming, and and I'd love to do that, but I don't think that we have time because I want to move us on to one other thing. Um, I would encourage you to think about those if you're considering a family camp because the the mix activities are are awesome, and to see parents who come to camp relax with their kids and end up getting dressed up and going around banging on pots and singing songs with their kids is one of my happy moments that happens at every family camp. Um, and uh, and another activity that that is a tradition on Sunday night of our three day family camp is a. a a talent show and some families prepare their own skits ahead of time those have been there before often prepare throughout the year um, for what their family's talent will be and the counselor's job is to encourage not to make them do it but to encourage each family to be a part of that, that somehow what I want to tie us, what do I want to do to wrap us up? Because I, I promised that we would is, is to talk about promoting family camp and how you do it and and how you reach to the the right kind of families and. Um, or you know, reaching to adults if you're running a, a women's program. But Megan, you're starting this from scratch. How how did you tie or reach out to the right families for you? Well, I used my network, the our alumni network. That's where I started off at, and I just you know I keep on sending them messages and in different ways trying to get out to the alumni. Whether I'm actually going to the alumni events and introducing myself and telling them about family camp. Um, but I think it's really important since I specifically I'm reaching out to the same network over and over again and we're slowly going into promoting to just outside world in general I keep changing how I market the family camp I have different angles so you know one week I'm talking about the activities the other week I'm talking about quality family time or I just have different angles I hit each time trying to get different people involved I think marketing family camp can be a little bit tricky because some people at least on the West Coast don't understand what the concept of family camp is. They've never heard about it. They immediately think when um, our name has camp in it, it means it's a kid's camp. So a lot of it is educating as well. This is what family camp is. This is a great experience for your family. We think you should try it out. Um, but I've, 
you know, I've, I've tried different kind of angles, but really I'm, I'm working on alumni right now and getting them involved. Right. So using the network you have and just trying to create some yep. understanding of what the program is that you have to offer. Yep. Awesome. What do you do at Catalina Island, Tom? Well, we, we use uh, a, a lot of the Jean-Michel's network uh, in, in family camps. So he's uh, got his organization called Ocean Futures Society. And so they have members, uh, it's a free membership in Ocean's Futures, and then you can stay connected to all of their projects. And, and so they have, you know, things on their website about it and, and such. And uh, I tell you, though, it's, it's a challenge to, you know, to get people to, to commit to a five-day, four-night thing here in California as well, like Megan's talking about. It's, uh, you know, we're always trying to put people in it. And, and uh, we, you know, we hand out a lot of flyers with all of our camp brochures and, and uh People hear people hear about it, and they, it's word of mouth. Um, you know, it's it's five days, four nights, so it, there's not a big budget for uh, you know going out and doing fancy stuff. Yeah. Um, but you know, it works out. It seems to work out every year for one reason or another. Yeah. It, so you reach out to Jean Michel's people, but you also reach out to your own families as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we do both. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we all we it's kind of always mentioned in all of our other materials, and so it's kind of always there. Sometimes we get people who come to our outdoor education program, you know, parents who hear about it and uh, all kinds of different ways. But it's something that I, I would definitely like to, you know, make easier. Yeah. Right. And, and what's it like at Frost Valley, Dan, reaching out to families? Uh, um, so um, uh, you've probably experienced this, Travis, since you've, you've been here before. We have a newsletter that goes out to every single participant. Um, and it does feature the upcoming events in the weekends. We do find with families that they typically are booking within the same month when they come to camp. Um, for family camp, um, they do book far in advance because that's a one-time event we do. But a lot of the families that come up will actually just book only a few weeks out. So our newsletter is always promoting a family camp event or family programming event. Um, uh, we do get some press as well, too, here and there, um, you know, with you know, Patch.com or, or um, Huffington Post or... Um, we've even been in the Times for our family programming uh, because it's so unique. I think um, I think the word camp has a lot of different meanings for people. Absolutely. And some are positive, some are negative. Um, some are positive, but they would never go there as an adult. And when they hear that we have a variety of lodging and a variety of accommodations and that we'll, we have um, linens that you can use when you come up. It's those little things that, that really do convince people that we are more than just a summer camp. Um, and that's the difficult thing, too, um, in that sense. Um, I, promoting our, our events, though, uh, I really find that um, having themed weekends um, and certainly having them open to everybody. But, uh, for instance, this Women's Wellness Weekend that's coming up or a Girl Scout weekend that we have. We actually have four Girl Scout weekends during the year. Um, we have a Boy Scout themed weekend. Um, we have adventure guide groups that come up from New Jersey. So having themes to your weekends really does help kind of drive people to come. Um, uh, we don't find it too much of a deterrent for people that don't want to participate in the theme. Uh, but the biggest thing is just letting people know that you're more than just a camp um, and recognizing that. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think the big thing is um, if you get a family to come up, really getting them to understand that they are joining your camp family as well too and making it feel like it's their home that they can return year after year and that you'll be the annual spot for their trip but what we see people families that that for instance take a year or two off 
when they leave, um, they'll go, you know, they'll go to Disney World, they'll go to uh, vacation, various places. But uh, when they come back, they talk about how they didn't have that emotional connection with the place um, in the same way they did with the camp. And, and it's figuring out how to have that emotional connection in a weekend, um, whether it's connecting with the groups next to them or providing anything they need to kind of let their barriers down that gets a family coming back year after year. But our family camp, it, um, it sells out. Um, well in advance uh, people are booking their reservation the year before when they're at the family camp so um, that week-long family camp program we run uh, family weekends are much different um, they're they're definitely as I mentioned uh, they're booking within a, a month but creating that same kind of um, uh, uh, intense love and slash I can't miss out on this yep. that you do for summer camp um, it really does work the families so Gab, what do you do to bring in the adults for your your weekend programming? Um, we give all of our um, all of our campers who have been with us for five years. Once they hit five years, we give a free weekend to their moms or somebody of their choosing. So um, that's been really, really a, a, a very important part of. Um, sort of breaking down the barriers as everybody's talking about the idea of what camp is and and what we're really looking at is a is a retreat um, where they get to experience something new um, and maybe reconnect with somebody that you know they haven't had time to connect with and um, you know and relax and eat good food so you know it's it's a very simple program but uh, um, but we do it well and uh, we want them to be part of it so this sort of free weekend has really helped um, helped people come back year after year and just give them that introduction and usually they bring a friend or a sister yep. so that's very cool and we also um, we also go to do women's shows there's women's shows you know pretty much in every city um, there's you know and and we find that actually there's a quite a bit of people that are looking for a different type of adventure and experience and um, it's a it's a nice way to see what people are into and how they perceive us and um, we take the name camp out of our program, so right. uh, that's not in, that's not included when we're when we're selling our this pro this program just because of of some of the stigma that that it has um, because it's it seems like it's just focused for for children and we're really trying to show them that it's an outdoor experience for with you know glorious events for adults <laughs> so uh, yeah. So we take the we take camp out of the actual out of the actual name. Yeah, just because it works. That's yep. all. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I think a thing about promoting camp, family camp, or this outdoor experience for adults is um, is to never underestimate the power of what your staff can do to promote it during the time that people are at camp. And we all know the word of mouth is very powerful for, for summer camps, but to, to talk to people in, um, in the training, the special training that you're giving people to set them up for family camp to just remind them that their connections with the adults are as important as their connections with the kids and, um, to do, special things for them and, and make them feel like you would make a, f a cabin full of kids feel each person special 
Um, that is incredibly powerful for for our families. We have families who have um, <laughs> we have a family that comes back to our family camp. that has been there since um, since we were directing, and we go back as a family now. Um, we have family who still requests the same counselor, but she is now the camp director. So every year she has to say, no, I can't be your counselor this year. <laughs> I am now the camp director. Um, but it was just such an amazing experience for that family. Um, and it's, of course, done jokingly now because they, they know her Chantal's position. But um, it's such a, an amazing impact on that family, the experience that she gave them. It stuck with those kids forever. And um, and. Th- and it was really magical the way that she interacted with those adults. And um, they've all become quite good friends because of that. And and that was incredibly powerful for the marketing. And those families saying, you have to come to family camp. Um, it, it's a great, it's been a, an amazing experience for us as well as our kids. So I, one quick check-in. Is there anybody who has any other things about promoting family camp that we haven't talked about that you think has worked really well, has been sort of a, a secret special touch for you? Since word of mouth works so well, we give incentives to our families yep. to um, help get a new family in, and we'll give an incentive to both the returning family and the new family um, just because I think that's really the best way for uh, families to get promoted into coming to family camp. I think word of mouth just works so well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I think, um, the biggest thing is creating, um, creating things that they will want to return to see, um, and want to show off to friends as well. So, um, you know, word of mouth by far is our biggest, um, our biggest, biggest tool for recruiting any of our programming because they understand the experience more than just an ad um, and while the ads are important to jog their memory of we're still being there um, you know I think um, creating a, a quality program where people are having these wow moments or having these moments that they wouldn't normally have um, is your best marketing tool yeah fantastic well, thank you all very much for adding to this conversation about family camp and promotion and, and programs. For people that have been watching the show, if you have any other questions about this, please get in touch with our co-hosts or, or you can email me, Travis at camphacker.tv, and um, be happy to address more on family camp if there are other things you want to talk about or other issues on the show as well as you know we take and dive deep into one specific topic every two weeks and 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 that's a part of the format of this particular show so we always are looking for ideas but i thank our four co-hosts for their important input on this topic and right now we're going to move on to our tool of the week tool of the week For those of you who are just joining us for the first time or maybe the second time watching on YouTube or listening to the audio on your phone, our tool of the week is something that the co-host brings to the table that has worked really well at their camp or is a tool that helps them become a better camp director. And um, I'm going to start today with Dan. Dan, what are you recommending to people to check out to be a better camp director? Uh, um, so I have the um, the book Nurture Shock by Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman. And Poe uh, Bronson was just the... Um, the keynote for the tri-state camp conferencing is, is fantastic. Uh, but, um, it's just, it's great. It's, um, all, it's pretty much chapter by chapter is a new study 
but it uh, it goes into just different things about youth development and working with kids. And for instance, uh, the one I, I really enjoyed was talking about teens, how teens really crave uncertainty and how they really um, they need something that has a big reward and something that they're not expecting in order for them to really enjoy it. And it, it's a really unique way to think about when you do camp programming. Um, you know, are your teens coming back to camp? And if they're not, um, you know, is it because the programming seems like it's the same every year, and are you giving them that moment of uncertainty? Uh, you know, and, and and working that in. So it was, it was really, um, it was really a great keynote, um, and uh, it's a great book as well too. So um, yeah, yeah, I'll support that one. I re- I read that book; it was awesome. It's really great. Changed a lot of my thinking. Uh, and Megan, how about you? What's your tool this week? Yeah, so um, I've been using springpad.com for a while, and it's a great website that helps you organize notes, documents, any kind of links you find on um, any anywhere on the web. Anywhere on the web. So um, I use it to just categorize things. I have um, different folders that have to do with different programming, kids programming. So anything when I'm searching the web that I find that I really like, I just put it into one of my uh, folders, and I just log in and have it all there available to me two months out when I need to look for kids programming ideas. So um, I really love this program and I love being, it's free and it's great to just use to categorize and I like to be really organized so it helps me. Fantastic. And it's available on the phone as well, is it not? I believe so. I think so too. I've checked it out. It's a really interesting program. Kind of a combination of Pinterest and Evernote. Um, Yeah. so it has its own unique niche in that it covers a bit more, a bit more ground than each one of those separately. So thanks, Megan. That's awesome. Springpad. And uh, I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Tom, I asked when you were coming on that you would give us um, uh, speci- a specific tool that's related to your experience of being on the water at Catalina Island. And, and I'm excited to hear what you're going to talk about today. Well, we... Uh we do a lot of snorkeling, as you can imagine, environmental program and being on the ocean. Catalina Island is uh, one of the best uh, kelp bed forest, kelp forest uh, snorkeling areas, diving areas in the world because uh, uh, most of the time it's very cold water in kelp forest, but Catalina kind of is on the on that borderline and we still have the, the you know, the good good kelp uh, growth and the and the marine life that, that's there with it, um, but without the, the really frigid temperatures. And so uh, we do a lot of snorkeling, and it's taken us a long time to find uh, the equipment that we like, that's durable, that you can maintain without having to replace uh, on a regular basis. And so we've been using an organization, if you should need masks, fins, snorkels, or other dive gear, uh, ISTSports.com, ISTSports.com. And they uh, have worked with us, uh, That that it's almost a wholesale kind of operation that you can set up. Uh, and they have replacement parts, especially on the snorkels and, and masks, where you'll have parts that will break on those. Uh, the snorkels, you've got the mouthpiece, you've also got the purge valve. Both of those are replaceable for us, and so we can buy those replacement parts in quantity and be able to maintain it without throwing away all this plastic, uh, which is really important to us. Uh, you know, being on an island, you know, trash has to get shipped off the island, and so it is all of that, uh, all of that that goes into it. Um, you know, we've been using uh, the step-in fins that they have, probably the cheapest, most economical fins that they have because uh, any of the stuff with straps, it's just the, the fitting is harder and all of that. So when you're putting lots of kids into uh, into fins, it's nice to be able to, uh, you know, here here's your shoe size, put it on. 
Uh, so those kinds of things work really well for us. And they're masks. They've got a lot of different styles. They also have ones that have built-in magnifiers or prescriptions that you can get uh, for kids that have, you know, so they, their eyeglass issues so they can see underwater. So uh, that's a resource that, that we use. Um, Travis and I talked about it. It would be worth sharing today. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a great idea. And I know that there are a number of camps that do snorkeling programs or are interested in snorkeling programs. And uh, so thank you very much for sharing that, Tom. That's awesome. Uh, Gab sends her regrets she had to leave early, so she didn't get to share her tool of the week. Um, and so I'm going to share mine and then we'll wrap things up here. I had a little debate with myself. I have one that I've been saving, which is the, we'll set the Camp Hacker record for the most expensive tool of the week. Um, but I'm going to save it. We'll come back to it again. Um, just because I just this morning finished a book that was so incredibly inspiring and fit into the mission of summer camp. And um, it really appealed to to me as a, a director of a camp in, in inspiring action in people. And it's called The Promise of a Pencil, and um, Adam Bauer is the author's name. And he, you probably have heard of Pencils of Promise, an organization that builds schools and staffs the schools and gives the kids uniforms and, and all their equipment. And they are an awesome charity that does really neat work around the world. And um, this is the story of how it got started by Adam and, and, and his story. And as many of you longtime listeners or watchers know, I consume a lot of my books by audio and it was a great audio book. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I hope that you'll check that out. I will put the link to the audio and the paper or Kindle version of it uh, in the show notes. And um, I hope that you'll check it out because it really was really inspiring. And one of those good books for this time of the year where it's getting stressful, it's getting time is really tight, trying to fit everything in. And it was one of those great inspiring books of like, yes, I can dig a little deeper. I can do this. Um, and uh, worth reading or sharing with your staff as well. So thank you very much for for sharing your tools. Um, again, check out the show notes at camphacker.tv slash podcast. What I want to do is uh, just take a moment and thank our guests and give them a chance to share a way that you can get in touch with them. So Tom, I really appreciate you being on for the first time and you had some awesome insight into Family Camp. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Travis. Uh, if anybody would like to reach me, uh, catch me on Twitter. We are at Cat Island Camps or me personally is at Horner Tom. Uh, you can find us on the web and at Facebook, uh, Catalina Island Camps. And uh, uh, my email is tom at catalinaislandcamps.com. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm so glad you're here, Tom. Um, people listening, I encourage you to follow um, Tom on Twitter. He does a ton of stuff and also hosts, uh, co-hosts at night time camp chat on twitter for where parents can ask questions of camp people and um, you know share on a particular topic on a camp chat and that is generally wednesday or thursday nights tom yeah tonight is the last one in the six week series okay. for this year travis so uh 7 p.m pacific time uh hashtag camp chat right uh, so we'll have a lot of uh uh mom bloggers uh parents camps on and tonight's topic is packing for camp Right on. So chances of me being able to edit the show and get it out in time to help promote this are slim. Um, but what I want you to do is follow Tom's Twitter because you will see the promotions coming out. And I've been, uh, been thrilled to be a part of some of the camp chats and we'll try to check it out again tonight. Um, you can always search the hashtag and go back and, and review the, yeah. the content of 
the chat as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really great. So thanks for being on, Tom. It's been wonderful. Megan, how can people reach you? Yeah, so um, we are on Facebook, just Pepperdine Family Camp. Or you can reach me at familycamp at pepperdine.edu. I'm a one-person show, so I'm the one you'd reach. Right on. Right on. Thanks, Megan, again for suggesting this topic and for your awesome input. Thank you, Travis. It's great to have you. Dan, how about you? Um, so um, uh, you can find me at danlovescamp.com and uh, Twitter at uh at Dan Loves Camp as well. And then uh, I work at Frost Valley YMCA. So uh, just um, uh, if you need to get a hold of me, um, the phone number's on that website. But yeah, learn that. Thanks, Dan. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. Great to see you last week. Yeah, it's great to meet you too. In person. So again, if you want the information that we've talked about, links to everybody's show notes and contacts, go to camphacker.tv slash podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed our show and um, want to help spread the word of the Camp Hacker podcast or any of our shows, go to camphacker.tv slash love, and that'll plan it or send it a tweet on your behalf. You can adapt it however you like, but we always appreciate when people share our shows. So uh, it's helpful for us to get out to the wider Camp Pros audience. We really appreciate that. My name is Travis Allison. I really appreciate you watching. It's been a great show. And thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.